Hello and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. Seth, it is so good to see you again. Ken, it's um, good to see you as well. It's been a while. It has. It's good to be back in the studio. Um, you know, we always, we release these on a weekly cadence when we get into our season. It's been our habit. But we, we've talked about before that we record them in advance. And, and we took a little break because life got a little busy. Work yeah. got a little busy for both of us, I think. Yeah. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about our conversations and, you know, on leadership, on uh, the discomfort zone was our last one and how... We need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and yeah. thinking about these conversations uh, as we do. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking a lot about just why we do these. Like, why why do we start doing these? And mm. like this conversation around ego and what makes work more enjoyable for people, more engaging. Um, how do we make it so that people can be more successful as leaders? And the things that we talk about in here, I'm seeing so much in other organizations that I'm working with. I see it in leadership teams. You know, it is the stumbling block, right? For many people, this idea of taking things personally or or letting their ego sort of lead the charge or not seeing the bigger picture, you know, not being able to kind of see the opportunities, you know, what happens when we see the opportunities? Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot in terms of what we're seeing out in industry, specifically, I guess, software or technology or digital or whatever you want to call it, you know, from an industry and to your point about why we started this work, why do we start these conversations? Coming out of the pandemic and coming out of COVID, coming out of the learnings of the last several years about being a more, creating a more human workspace. And what's interesting and challenging is that as organizations have readjusted or are going through this continuous adjustment, I'm actually seeing a lot of tension in organizations around Humanity and leadership, I guess, mm. for lack of a, a, a better phrase or way to describe it, that, you know, there's this, this, I mean, as the economy goes through its cycles, as industries go through their cycles, I think organizations are struggling to maintain maybe some of the empathy that we had during COVID. Yeah, and I, I wonder... I, I sort of always am very skeptical of the empathy that I saw. Like, it's one thing mm. to, um, I don't know, be in a foxhole and say all the things that you would say when you feel like you're not sure you're going to get out of that foxhole in the morning, you know, whatever. Like, there's a kind of um, rawness that can happen during an emergency. But, you know, it, is it really backed by any real awareness or understanding of what actually motivates people, what actually makes them Mm. work. And sometimes the simplest things, the simplest things get thrown away for the more complicated, you know, ideas around engagement, around uh, culture. Like it just gets super complicated very quickly when sometimes it's just like, hey, you know, people want to be heard. 
and they want to understand where we're going, and they want to understand why we're going there. And that kind of stuff is just seems to me like pretty obvious. And most leaders that I talk to who are good at what they do, it's pretty obvious. But it is the thing that gets thrown to the, by the wayside. Oh, and this is perfect for setup for our conversation today because mm. you know as I see organizations go through this, leaders go through this. Mm. And I totally agree with you, by the way. And by the way, I just want to be very clear. I am, I am, I, I believe, extremely results-oriented, very outcome-oriented. Right. And I'm not suggesting that these concepts of leadership and worry and humanity and empathy like, are anything except supportive of that when right. used appropriately right. within the organization. So I think, I think sometimes people can, and we've talked a little bit, of, I know, in previous conversations around, you know, the, the, the human skills versus the hard skills and how some, some folks can think that, you know, oh, you can prioritize the human, you know, but it's only at the cost of the outcome or the result. And that's not at all what I'm saying. But one of the things I see organizations struggle with as they go through these evolutions is leaders who stop communicating what they're trying to accomplish and what they're worried about. Right, right. Oh, God, this is such a good topic for us. The, the, you know, can I make a distinction, though? Yeah. There's, 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 uh, so we talked about the what we, me worry kind of concept. What and, me worry? If you're, uh, if you're an old school Mad Magazine fan. Right, Alfred Alfred e. Newman. Newman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what me worry? Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that, you know, the, I make a distinction. I don't know if this is semantical, if this is real or not, but, but the um, distinction between worry and concern. Mm. So for me, when I'm coaching people on how to talk about things that they're worried about, I, I say, I tend to say, like, th- don't talk about it as a worry. Worry is something that sort of gnaws at the back of your mind that sort of you could worry about things that you have no control over. Concerns are things that are like, you tend to be, in my mind, more practical. You know, what's your concern? Like, hmm. you seem to be anxious. What's your concern? And you can focus that on something more practical, whereas I'm worried we won't get there in time becomes like this, could be just what you the way you feel all the time about mm-hmm. airports or about bus stations or whatever. Um, but concern is, I'm concerned that uh, we're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a faster route that we could be taking creates a little more focused conversation. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't think worry is a bad word necessarily. I, I appreciate the distinction you're making, you know, but I think as human creatures, as, as biological beings, you know, I think we, we that, that energy that makes us stay up at night thinking about a problem or thinking about a scenario that we have concern about, to use your word, that could occur. That's actually that can be healthy. It yeah, can yeah, be healthy. yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So let me let me give a little more context here from my perspective. I I am a worrier. Mm-hmm. I grew up a worrier. Uh, my whole family kind of was a bunch of worriers. So so I felt the negative connotations of this like energy that just kept running under the surface all the time. You know, what's the matter? I don't know. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about, you know, whether this is going to work out. I'm worried about and it was this displaced sort of anxiety that had no place to actual actually go. It just went over everything. Mm. That's the, that when I think about worry, that's what that's where I, my head goes. I totally get what you mean. Anxiety the idea that I might be worried about something is a very human thing, right? 
for me, I've had to learn how to basically calm that and 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 put it in its place. Well, do you have do you what tools or techniques do you have that you've used to assuage your kind of your your worry or or to make that turning that into productive energy? Do you have some things that you've done, or is it just a consciousness that you have around? where you could go with that space. Yeah, I've had to do a lot of practice around this. One of my, I may, I may have mentioned this in another podcast, I don't remember, but one of my practices is um, whenever I start worrying about outcomes, mm. which is you, usually what I, growing up, that was usually the way that, you know, is this gonna happen the way I think it should happen? Is this, you know, is there something, is it gonna happen this other way? Like I just project in the future and then mm-hmm. I get, there's a, Byron Katie has this great thing of like, uh, if you want to feel anxious, get yourself a future. Like <laughs> she talks about that. Like it's just like that's what happens when we project. Anyways, there's these two things that I would say to myself now. One is, it's not going to happen like that. And the other one is, it's not going to happen like that either. Hmm. So I tell myself that whatever I'm projecting in the future, whatever it is that I think might happen, good or bad, okay? Because I get I can get worried that it's not going to happen. <laughs> the way I want it to happen, right? Good or bad, I tell myself it's not going to happen like that, which allows me to be more open and more present to the process and trust that actually, and, and you do this a lot with your team, we can meet whatever happens. We right. can make plans. We can do all the things we want to do. But at the end of the day, whatever happens, we will meet it. Yeah, I think, um, so I'm, I'm not a natural worrier. Right. Um, I love that about to, you. It's I appreciate that about well, you. Well, but there's reasons for that too, and and it's it's when I say I'm not a natural warrior, in part it's because I'm a big planner, and everybody that knows me knows that I'm like I'm a big I'm a planner. I right. kind of joke about it. Uh, now my my daughter takes it to another extreme. She's got plans for there's a spreadsheet involved in <laughs> in almost anything she does. Um, but what I, I think about often is sort of you know the scenarios you talked about, like well it's not going to happen this way. But it could happen this way. What happens if it happens that way? Well, I've always got a plan B. And then I've got a plan C and a plan D usually, and maybe even a plan E or F. Yeah. And that has allowed me to worry less because, in the negative connotation of worry, because I have a higher degree of confidence that whichever way the outcome is going to fall, we have alternatives. We've created alternatives and space. Yeah, and I think that's actually when... And I think back to the instructions that I've read in the past about what to do about that kind of generalized anxiety. That's one of the things that they tell you to do is actually like make a plan, mm. right? To to think about what might happen and make a plan for that. I think that the what I love about the way you you look at things, Ken, is that you um, you tell yourself pretty clearly that that you'll figure it out. Like you do make a plan, yeah, but you you don't. I trying to say about this, when when you when you first started uh, decided to become a gentleman farmer, right? When you first started like <laughs> take on animals and and uh, <laughs> and do that kind of work, you you know I recognized that you were like, well, fi- I'll figure it out. Like I'll figure out how to deal with the pigs. I'll figure out how to get a pig <laughs> slaughtered. I'll well, figure out how I, to. Yeah, I think um, one of the most dangerous phrases in my lexicon is how hard could it be? Yes. Right. Because other people have figured this out. I think this is true that in the workplace. This is the thing that I think leaders, you know, at whatever level, the most senior uh, or just starting out can get wrapped up in 
which is feeling this worry of isolation, feeling this worry of uniqueness, feeling like, oh my God, I'm the first person to ever deal with this, or I'm the only person going through this. Or I'm responsible for how this outcome is. Like, yeah. there's a big, big difference between being accountable, right? Sort of being, it's my, I'm the one in charge. So like, if this doesn't work, they're gonna point at me, right? Yeah. But there's a big difference between that awareness and thinking somehow you're God. Like you're gonna like, right. if I just push the right buttons and say the right things, everything's gonna turn out the way it should. And I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have worked in organizations, uh, and you have as well from a consulting perspective, but like with a lot of C-suite leaders. And I was pretty early on, I had this moment where, especially when I was first coming into, you know, as a C-suite CIO, whatever, leader, VP, whatever titles, um, pretty early on, I just want to tell you, you don't get a handbook no. when you get the title. It's not like, oh, here's your book of answers. You figure out that everybody is still figuring it out as they go. Yeah. I would of be course, very... there's experience and there's, right. you know, kind of all kinds of things you're drawing on. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's awakening when you kind of walk into the C-suite and go, oh, uh, oh, uh, we're all figuring this out together. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, and I'm very suspicious whenever anybody says they have that handbook. Yeah. You know, I think about, um, it's a great book. Ben Horowitz's The Hard Things About Hard Things. Yeah, it's a good book. It, it's a good book. But, you know, I, I get that book quoted to me a lot from other leaders. And, and I say, like, look, that book is super helpful, but that book's about Ben Horowitz. Right. That's not a book about... That's not a book that's necessarily a template for how to be a leader. Right. He's just saying, look, this, that's how he did it. this is what we did. And yeah. this is what was, this is like the reality that people don't tell you about what it's like to make decisions as a leader. And that's super helpful. You know what I liked, but, what loved about that book that is so related to this topic is he kind of just created transparency around what was hard for him. Mm, right. And this is so... It's really it's a vulnerable place in a lot of ways. I don't I don't think many people have described Horowitz as vulnerable, but <laughs> no, but I would agree with that. But it's vulnerable to say as a leader, and this is kind of the the, the challenging thing. But the, oh my God, so powerful is to say this is what I'm concerned about. Yeah, because you're in that moment. If you do it right, I think you're asking for help. Yes, you're asking your team, your colleagues even your customers sometimes, to help you uh, kind of find a way to mitigate those concerns and say, How do we, this is the outcome I'm trying to get to. I'm concerned that we're going to go down this hole. I'm worried about this thing. You know, I have alternatives maybe, but what do you think? Hmm. And you're, you're admitting that you don't know everything, that you don't have that playbook. There, there, is, there is that piece of it, which I love in that book, and there's this other piece, this other moment in that book that I also love which is, which is somehow related to this. Like, yes, you have to be able to ask for help. You have to be able to be transparent. You have to say, like, I'm worried about this thing. But then there's this moment where he's trying to decide to sell the company. You know, he's like yeah. trying to figure out how to sell the company. He's like, they're going to run out of cash. There's like, they're gonna, basically, the company's going to go under if he doesn't make this sale, spin off the sale. And these two junior um, guys run into his office and give this start giving this presentation of how to save the business and how they're going to like shore up the the software and start making money by selling and he, and he's like 45 minutes into this presentation and all of a sudden he's like oh my god these guys don't have any idea what's going on right 
and he just kicks him out of the office. And, he, and that was a decision he realized where he's like, look, there are some things these people can help me with and some things I'm on my own with, mm. right? The CEO has a, has a particular viewpoint on things that nobody else has. And so there's this tension between what we're saying. Like one is like, you have to like be willing to open up a little bit and share concerns. Mm. You have to share concerns. You have to be clear with people about what are you worried about in the mm-hmm. sense of like, I'm, I'm, I hear you telling me we're good, that we're all, the plan is going to, to according to, everything's going according to plan. I'm concerned because I'm hearing this and this and this, right. you know, so there's that. And there's this other piece of like, and then there's some things that only you are going to be able to worry about. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. only you can hold. Yeah. And... I think, you know, so I, I'm an advocate as a leader of creating transparency because I believe that where you can, where it's appropriate, right. because I believe that the more information and context people have, the better decision making they're going to be able to have or, or, or execute on. And so sharing those concerns, sharing, I'm getting these other signals, you know, that's, that's a piece. There's also a, a, an obligation, a, a responsibility as a leader to create confidence in the path forward. Yes. And so sometimes I think there can be this counter tension of, well, I don't want to share my concerns because it's going to shake the confidence of the team I need focused on executing. So that's a natural component as well. And then there's this, this internal accountability as a leader of you're going to have a perspective that the people below you don't, the people that you lead can't mm. because you're getting signals from, you're, you have a context they don't. Yes. Uh, and as much as you, you want to, I want to share that um, and try to. I try to share that context. Um, the reality is, at the end of the day, you might be the one accountable for making the decision that's going to go. Absolutely. You know, go, Absolutely. go well or go not so well. Well, and there's another piece, too, which is like you may be worried. Uh, you know, I was talking to some leaders a few years ago about um, acquisitions. So they were being in the process of managing a, a merger or an acquisition. And and they were having all this worry, uh, this this concern and worry about how the team was going to handle it. And, you know, they were, they were feeling a lot of conflict about it. And we talked about how um, you have to name that feeling for yourself. Yeah. You have yeah. to identify it and feel the feeling because you don't want to, you can't suppress it. It's going to spill out. Oh, are on yeah. the team, and they're not going to know what's going on. Oh, gosh. You know, so many leaders that I've worked with will, when they get concerned, worried, whatever, anxious about an outcome, a lot of times the default action is just to double down and work harder. Totally. We're just going to work our way through this. Totally. And without ever naming, without ever talking about or, or giving very little time to what you're actually concerned about. And even when that works, even when you get to the other side, you're not getting to the other side because of the anxiousness that you felt. You're getting to the other side in spite of. Right. So you're working against the synergy. Doubly hard. You're right? working doubly hard. You're working yeah. against this energy, this worry, without ever actually acknowledging it and saying, this is what I'm concerned about. So you, you so number one, it's a very arrogant thing to do because yeah. you're, you're giving nobody the opportunity to help you. Right. You're worried about something as a leader. You refuse to acknowledge it. You give nobody the opportunity to help you. Nobody the opportunity to say, oh, well, here's why we're not as anxious about that or we don't feel the same concern. Here's some additional data maybe you don't have yet. 
So it's a it's a really it's a really challenging place to put yourself in as a leader is to not name it out loud. Absolutely. And say, I'm worried about this. And there's another piece to that too, which is, and Brene Brown talks about this. Like when she gets scared, she gets scary. scary. Yes. And, and I think that that is something that I see a lot of leaders do. Mm. So when you, when the worry gets suppressed, what usually gets communicated is anger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that doesn't help anybody. There's another thing I want to just, as a coaching note to anybody who's working with a leader who is also expressing their concerns or their worry or their anxiety, you know, really, and this is, this is something I tell the IT folks, please don't say we got it. <laughs> like, right. that is like the worst thing you can say to somebody who's like, I'm worried that this isn't going to come off the way that you keep telling me it's going to come off. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry, don't worry no about worries. it. We got, we got it. We got it. <laughs> You got it, boss. It's like, oh my God. No, it's, it's, it doesn't work. That doesn't help reassure the concern from a leader. What do you say? What that? can you do, though? You know, I think that. Um, so what I what I've done in those cases, and we've all encountered this. I mean, I've encountered. I've had you know programs, bosses, whatever uh, that we're working on where there's a there's an anxiety or a concern expressed, and so the first thing is to understand it. Yeah. Understand the concern. Absolutely. So why are you concerned? What What is causing you to be concerned about that? Well, I'm not sure that the data supports our plan, or I don't know that we have the capacity to execute it within this time frame. Yeah. I'm not sure that the regulators are going to be as responsive to it. Like, whatever it is. First, understand it. What is the gener- what, what's generating that concern? Because only then can you actually say, oh, this is how we're thinking about it. Right? You can test with that is, well, we're thinking about, you know, well, we've hired somebody that's got regulatory experience that will help us navigate that paperwork. Mm. Or uh, we plan on onboarding additional capacity two months in advance of that launch to help us with that, you know, particular concern. Or, you know what, maybe we haven't thought sufficiently about that and we need to go back and readdress our plans. Yeah, you want to win, you want to win the trust of people you acknowledge that what they're worried about is worth worrying about. Yeah. Right. And then you and then you address it. Right. You address it. And then if you don't, if you say like you know that's a that is a real concern what you brought up, and we don't really have a an answer for that. The chances of that happening are unlikely. Yeah. And we're going to come up with a plan. Oh, most of what we worry about, like when we get into that space of worry. I mean, you mentioned kind of how you grew up as a worrier, and you know, most of that stuff never happens. Most of that stuff never happens. Most of that stuff never happens, or we will, um, we will, we'll, we'll try to make it happen. Yeah, like it's we'll like it out. we'll just t- no, we'll we'll try to like make that bad thing happen. Oh, that is like we'll a weird thing. Bad thing. That is a weird thing that we do. Is like we will, uh, we will pick at that scab until it bleeds. We will talk about that thing until it just manifests, and yeah. it's crazy. It is. <laughs> it's uh, it's a sort of self. That's a whole different path to follow about self fulfilling prophecies and how do we make that those bad things happen? And I've seen that happen in the workplace as well, where we worry about you know lack Oops. of leadership alignment, and we we actually end up generating kind of the disagreement or engagement, or, or, you know, huh. disengagement or things, which is which is crazy, huh. um, but very human, right, for us. It's so human. It's so human to. To, to worry about those things, so human to talk about those things as a means to control them, mm. right? But s- at some point, and this gets to the subversive leadership piece, 
at some point, if you want to have influence, if you want to be able to work with all that energy of like worry and concern and anxiety, if you want to be able to work with it, you have to be willing to work with your own feelings around it. You have to be in touch with your own feelings because the calmer you are, the more centered you are, the more poised you are in that moment, the more trustworthy, the more influential, and the more of an impact you can yeah, have. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what fascinates me about this, this subject because there's nobody I've ever worked with, well, let me rephrase, everybody I've ever worked with is human, and worry is an inherent part of the human condition. Yes. So I don't think there's anybody I've ever worked with that could say that they, well, I never worry about, you know, kind of the outcome or being held accountable or this launch or whatever. So, okay, so it exists, right? So it's going to exist within you, within me. I'm going to have those moments of worry. And if I try to push them off, suppress them, work through them without naming them, without identifying them, it's only going to lead to those behaviors you mentioned. It could lead to anger, frustration, burnout. You know, it could lead to conflict. Micromanagement. Oh, micromanagement. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we've all had the manager that when they're worried, they dig in deeper. And they they, They touch things. They want to help you. I'm doing air quotes right now. (laughs) What's this? Right. What's this? What are you doing with this? What are you doing? Right. And they want to to help you. It's all in the spirit of help. But it leads to counterproductive uh, energy. And so, okay, so let's just name it. Let's just acknowledge it and say that's going to be part of our leadership journey. Okay, if I can do that, now I can actually start to work with that energy and understand what is it that's actually causing me this concern? Right. Do I have an experience from another program or organization or something that, that had similar patterns that I worry about? Okay, great, I can name that. And now I can start to ask the right questions, right? And I can acknowledge that I have con- these concerns, right? And I think this is the other thing that I just, uh, I said it before, but I think, I think it too often we don't actually label these as leaders and give people the opportunity to help us. Yes, it's true. You know, it, it's the more the more rooted we can this is what I meant when I said about worry versus concern. Like the more rooted the concern is in a particular thing, right? Yeah. Like there's something that that the people below you could actually respond to. You know, I'm worried that this guy isn't going to work out for us. Or I'm worried that this vendor is going to, you know, fall on its face and not yeah. be able to. Like that stuff, nobody can really do anything about that. Like that's like a, mm, yeah, well, we're working with them. Just like, you know, it's like we're doing. But like the, the I'm concerned about this person's follow through. And here are three things that I've heard in the last three days that have made me concerned. Mm. So I want, I want us to like review is he or she like on top of it? And like, what are you going to do about that? Well, here's this, and here's the subversive part of this: is when you're able to model that, and that's a great example. You know, I have I have concerns about this person, this vendor, this whatever contractors follow through delivery. Here's concrete data as to why I have these concerns. What are we doing, right? Yeah. When you're able to say that out loud, you're giving permission for your team and the people you work with to, number one, as I said, help you with mitigating that, but also express their own, right? So, because they have them too. They have concerns about it. And if you're seeing something, they probably are too. In fact, they're probably seeing it before you. And in many organizations, it is unfortunately 
difficult, frowned upon, or even downright suppressed to oh, express yeah. your concerns. Absolutely. I mean, the, it, it, there's there's different way, reasons for that too. Like one sense, there's just this absolute fear of the vulnerability like do not be vulnerable like it's gonna if you say i'm worried then i i I had people tell me like nobody wants to hear like what you're worried about like oh okay (laughs) like i thought we were trying to solve the problem right (laughs) but the the second thing is like sometimes there's this uh don't look at that that mentality don't look at that don't look over there oh yeah no, I, I mean, on the first one, I've seen examples where, fortunately not in the organization I work with um, today, but I've seen this in others where, you know, the whole organization is around launching this new product. And maybe, like, if you're working in a startup, that is make or break, right? And so nobody is allowed to raise problems yeah. with quality or with go-to-market or with pricing or with whatever customer response to that. You, it's, you're not allowed to raise problems because, no, the mission is to launch this product. Right, and then you're not a team player if you're launching your concerns, if you're if you're if you're sharing your worries, even if it's in a constructive way. And then you get the other, the other example which I love, which is like, no, 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 don't look over there. And I've seen organizations where it's like, hey, maybe we have a concern around, I don't know, pay equity in our organizations. Like, no, 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 you can't look at that because if you look at it, you have to do something about it. Exactly. I was like, well. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> do you want to hear? Do you want to kind of give you some yeah. funny like? Um, so you are a very positive oriented person. That's I have been accused of that. You are that's a very positive, and and this is an interesting thing. I find myself coaching people on your team mm. about this, bringing this their concerns to you, because people like to doom and gloom it. Yeah. They want to like they want to they want to say everything is terrible and everything is going to go to the bottom of the ocean if we don't do something now. And I keep telling them that's not going to work with Ken. Right? That's not going <laughs> to work with Ken. Ken's like, "No, it'll be great. It'll be fine." <laughs> and and they get they get so confused and I'm like, "You're not giving them anything to work with." Right? If you if you came at you know, Eeyore and told him everything was like terrible and not going to work out. Eeyore would be like, I know, (laughs) not going to work out, never works out. Right. But like, you know, there's got to be, you have to have some kind of an awareness of the lens with which that person, your boss, your manager, looks at, at the world. And then, you know, I find that you do really well with, hey, boss, I'm concerned about uh, our ability to follow through, given the timeline we've been we've been handed, and you usually respond to that very well. Yeah. Well, I think that that's framed in a way. So I appreciate the feedback. <laughs> it's always we'll talk more about feedback either. But um, yeah, it's true. I look. I, I come at things, and I think it is important as we've talked about before, and knowing your audience, and knowing who you're speaking with, and knowing how they're going to hear the words that you say. And it's true when I am given feedback about like, oh, this is never going to work. I'm like, well, that's just not a starting point. That's not a starting point. I mean, honestly, that's not a starting point for most leaders. Yeah. Right. It's just not something that's helpful. But it's hard to believe when you're trying, like you want to protect yourself by saying everything's every. And I said what I tell people is that like leaders hear this. 
hundreds of times yeah, a day. That's where I was going to go. I was like, look, I, how many times have I heard, oh, it's never going to work. We've tried it before. It's never going to happen. And I'm like, right. well, that's not what, that's not constructive. That's not, that's not helpful. That's not a starting point. That's not something we can work with. Exactly. So what we can work with is I have a concern about the capacity that we have available to us to achieve this timeline. Okay. Now you've given me some data points. We have a capacity issue. We have a timeline issue. I can, I can move some pieces around. I can reallocate resources. You've given me a starting point with your worry that is constructive. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they won't listen to us is not a helpful starting point. No. No. <laughs> right? it's, it's really that's, – that's the challenge. And I think this is where, where I wanted to really spend this time is when you – because we all get into these situations where – I am worried. I am concerned about our ability. I'm, I'm being held accountable to execute this thing, and I don't know that we can do it, given the context. And that's the piece is that, that context is so important for leaders to understand in order to help you. Right. And to be able to, so number one, be willing to express it. You know, I've got a concern. That's good. And if you, if you feel like you're in an environment where it's frowned upon to express concerns, you're probably get out. In, a, you're get in, out. in a toxic environment. Um, but there, sometimes, there's a spectrum. Then, there's a spectrum to that. There's there, a spectrum to that. There there's, is. There's, even then I was going to say, I think you also need to think about the way you're expressing it. Is absolutely. Is it that you can't express it, that you haven't been successful expressing it, and you need to reapproach how you're expressing there, it? There's, there's this thing in that you're talking about here that this, this gets right at the heart of being a subversive leader. You can't come in assuming everybody in the room has that same concern. First of all, no. they don't have the same lens. They so don't have the same that. perspective. Say that again. Say that. It's so You important. can't walk into a room and assume that everybody in that room sees what you see, what you see and is worried about the things that you're worried about. They do not. Right. They do not have they have, a, they have their own point of view. They have their own things that they're worried about. Right. And we get super judgy about that, by the way. Yes. Right? We get super judgy about it. But it's not this nothing to judge. It's just it's just a fact. We all do this. Your ability to come into the room and say, here is something I'm concerned about. Here's something I'm worried about, and here's why. Is vulnerable and it's factual. Mm. Right? It doesn't, you can't, it doesn't, everyone in the room might be like, yeah, I'm good with that. Absolutely. You know, and I think, oh, I'm so glad you, you, you brought us there because, you know, I have a perspective and a point of view as a leader. I'm, a, I, I'm an IT leader. Right. I have some business responsibilities. I have some P&L responsibilities. The things that I wake up thinking about or walk into the room thinking about are not the same things that my general counsel Right. walks into the room thinking about, that my CHRO walks into the room thinking about, that my head of manufacturing walks into the room thinking about. That doesn't make the things I think about more or less important. That's different. Absolutely. I, br I bring a different perspective, set of experiences, uh, and priorities. And we get to all work them out together. Yeah. I love that part. That's We all bring our different experiences. But I can't expect them to be worried about the same things I'm worried about. I don't even want them to be. Believe me, I'm not worried. I don't have the same level of day-to-day -day worry about supply chain reliability that my head of manufacturing does because I trust him to worry about it. Right. Or her to worry about it. Right. Right? And so I think that that's, that just that takes us all the way back to the it's not personal. 
Right. It's it's not, it's not about you. It's, it's not, not about, about me. You. It's right. not it's not your fault. But that you're not worried about the same thing I'm worried about. Right. But that doesn't mean. I mean, it's so funny. This this we're so black and white. Like I tell people about this podcast, and they're like, you know, they sort of have this very strong one side or the other opinion about it. It's like saying it's not about you, saying it's not personal, doesn't mean that you don't have a say or right. you don't have a perspective or you don't have a voice in that room. It's not shut up and sit down and don't share. Like it's like you like recognize that your your lens on IT and you as an as a CIO, you think very much about the bigger business. You think I mean, I don't know if that's normal. Yeah, I think it's not. a unique aspect of you, the CIO role. You you look at you very much think about how IT touches these different parts mm. and how those decisions, those business decisions that are being made, how IT supports those, or how IT might actually get in the way of that decision. Like you you think about that stuff. Nobody else is thinking about that stuff. Yeah, they, right. I don't need them to. I mean, software is eating the world, which we all know. Back to but you have to be able to about. tell them. Yeah, right. You like somebody says, "Well, we're going to make this decision, and we're going to move at this level, and we're going to move fast, and you're going to." We we already had a committee that made a decision about this business, and you're like, and that, uh, making up a scenario here. You might be like, "Hey, uh, this is the first I'm hearing about this, mm. and that decision you just made, like, it's like saying." We're gonna put build a mountain on the ocean. Like <laughs> you're like, there's nothing there for you to here's build. Here's all that the thing. implications of that. Yeah, here's yeah. all the implications of it. What would that look like? Yeah. Actually, that's a that's a uh, that's a phrase that I've used in some of those like hypothetical conversations about like, oh, we're gonna do this. Like, okay, well, let's talk about what that would look like. Yeah. Here, what are the prerequisites for that? Right. Let's talk about that as a team, and often that's a way to help people get to the point where they understand that it might be a bigger deal than they think it is. But this is why I love this in the context of our discussion is because this, this it's not personal core concept, right, is my worries, I own them. I'm, 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 it's okay for me to have those worries. It's okay for me to say them out loud. I can't expect anybody else to share the same worries. And I sure as hell can't expect anybody else to help me with those worries. Mm unless I'm willing to say them out loud. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I've got to be okay if you look at me and say, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Like, I don't share that concern. And here's why, right? And maybe I can ask you why. Um, but as a leader, that's, I got to be okay with that. Yeah, and, and I think it, that really, to me, comes down to the clarity about what it is that I'm really concerned about. Mm-hmm. Like, I think about this with, uh, I did some avalanche training a few years ago and really just level one, like it's really just learning about how all the ways you can die in an avalanche and how to rescue people from them. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and there's this code that you're supposed to follow when you're going out with people in the backcountry. And the code is that if even one person in your group says, I'm worried about this, this I'm I'm having a bad feeling mm. about this ridge, about this tr- this this trail we're gonna do. Um, th- you're supposed to the whole team is supposed to pack up mm. and say, okay, let's go back, right? Because you don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows for sure, right? When an avalanche is gonna happen, people who've been doing this for 50 years don't will tell you they know less about when an avalanche is gonna happen <laughs> than they did when they started because it's just so complicated. Mm. And and when somebody says they're worried, 
you know, these are lives are at stake. And, and this just happened recently up here in, um, in uh, New England, New Hampshire. The, there was uh, avalanche territory. Some uh, group of three people were sort of get up there. It was getting, it was kind of dangerous. One guy said, I don't feel comfortable. I'm going to head back onto the resort. And the two other guys said, like, well, you go back. We're going to head out. And they got caught in an avalanche. Oh, gosh. Now, they, they survived, mm. right? It wasn't deep enough to really... One one guy was caught, and the other person was able to rescue him. But that is like, if the stakes are high enough, if you've articulated the stakes are high enough, right, and you say, I'm worried about this thing, and you, you as a team, you all should be like, yeah, no, that's a thing to worry about. This is critical. This is existential. Or if it's like, I'm worried that I won't get promoted <laughs> if this thing doesn't... Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Right? Like, I'm like, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna move ahead with this. Like, your promotion probably not like top of my list. Yeah, and I, I think it's. I mean, translate the avalanche training into business training. I think it's important to be able to differentiate or to to kind of identify, you know, and create a culture where anybody. And this is important for me. And, and as a leader, I, I say anybody on my team is always, because we, we produce code, we release code in products and all that. And I say, anybody on the team can hit the red button at any that's time. Right. Right? That's right. Everybody is empowered to hit the big red button. This is kind of like the, the manufacturing, you know, the automotive manufacturing. Anybody that has a thought that there's a quality issue can hit the red button. There's just total trust in that. That's a kind of worry that we've empowered everybody. Now then there's these other kind of worries about like, you know, I'm not going to get promoted. I'm not going to get the visibility. That's an individual worry that's still important to be able to I'm talk gonna about. not going to get credit. I mean, this is, you know, right. All that stuff is... Right. It's, we still need to create a space where people can have those conversations, but it's a different kind of concern. It, it's not, It's it, might, it just might not rise up to the level right. of like, hit the red button. And, you know, I need to know when I express my concerns, what kind of concern am I expressing? And what do I expect people to do with the information that I'm providing around that concern? I'm huh. concerned about this delivery, quality, vendor, timeline, capacity. What do I expect people to do with that? Well, I might expect my team to respond in different ways. I'm concerned about this person's actions within that meeting, right? What do I expect somebody to do with that concern? Yeah. You know, different, or I'm concerned about my own visibility, credit, whatever, what do I expect my, in that case, manager, hopefully, to do with that? So that's, I just think that naming it, what I, what I think is so bad, though, what's, what I think becomes toxic is when you can't express any one of those words, yeah. those concerns. If you don't have the, uh, and if you're not creating the culture for expression of concerns in a way that's constructive, and setting those expectations. And and to just be clear to the audience, like that that works both ways. Yeah. I think it's toxic also as a direct report to constantly bring doom and gloom up to the manager. To constantly say like this is critical. This is at, without giving specifics, without mm. actually doing what you just said. Like what are you really concerned about? What is it? What do you want us to do about that thing? Yeah. You know, this isn't going to happen. Uh, this is a failure. It's like wait, how is it a failure? Like, what are you worried about? Tell me what you're concerned about. Otherwise, it just creates all this n unnecessary energy. And it's so funny, too, because it, it does go both ways. And I know we've kind of ranged back and forth on the expressing worry and or expressing concern and hearing concern. But if you're the manager that's always expressing your doom and gloom. Totally. 
then that creates a whole different set of people out. Of, yeah, it's going to freak your organization out. I mean, I appreciate the feedback you said. I was Mr. Captain Positivity or whatever it was. Well, earlier. it wasn't feedback. I was. Just, it's just like it's just who you are, Ken. And it like, is. And like, I think that everybody has to understand who their leaders are, who their managers are. Not, not so that like. It's not so you work around them. It's just that you have to understand how do people like to hear information. You know, I I am somebody who likes I like direct. I'm intense. I, I I don't mind that kind of stuff. I like that. I have had to learn to like manage like how I hear stuff. It's like kind of around the barn, and it's like okay, I'll I'll, I'll be patient. Yeah, right? well, I was I was only owning the. This is true. I am optimist and, and you know positive and and uh, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that I don't have my own concerns. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, and 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 if presented with real stuff to to look at, you will respond. Yes. It's just that like generalized. When people tell you, there's there are these like ways of looking at the world where like, uh, you know, we talk about all the time like the half full, half empty kind of mm. mindset, and. It's the same glass of water. It is the same glass of water. Right. It's just how we choose to look at it. And if you are a half empty kind of person, we, we have very negative connotations about that. But if you mm. if you are a half empty kind of person, that's gonna work well for you if you're like there's a half a tank of gas, we're half empty, and we're about to drive to the Mojave Desert. Let's fill up here, right? <laughs> That's a good mindset to have yeah. when there's this scarcity coming up, right? Yeah. But if in a positive mindset, it could be like, oh, we'll be fine, you know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I actually, I appreciate and value and uh, intentionally have put, quote unquote, warriors on my team yes. in places yes, because of my own blind spots. Because, yeah, I'm like, let's just drive out to the desert. We'll yeah, be fine. Absolutely. We'll find another gas station. <laughs> And someone's got to be out there. <laughs> someone's got to be out there. And I love it when I actually have a planner on my team or somebody with complimenters like, well, let's let's make sure let's 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 have a backup plan. Or exactly. Let's, let's let's avoid this risk that could come up. And I know we're wrapping up, but as long as that person is accepting the plan, accepting the thing you said and not saying that'll never work. Yeah. Because that just, I mean, I'm just sorry. That like, that'll never work or it has to work doesn't work well with those two different. Those two, those two extremes are just not healthy places. They're just be. not healthy places. You're, you're, you're blind to opportunity and risk at the same time in those right. two extremes. So the ability to have influence is the ability to understand your own relationship to worry, to anxiety, to those feelings that like, that agitate you and then Clear away your own, like sort of the general, the general stuff, like the whatever, like oh, stuff never works out, or whatever the worry is that you have that I grew up with. Clear that stuff away, and then really look at what am I really concerned about. Mm. And your clarity with that, your ability to communicate that, either as a leader, or as a, a manager, or as a direct report allows you to have more influence across the organization. That's that's it. And I think that that's the that's kind of the takeaway for me is that understanding the the core components that are leading you to feel that emotion allow you to actually use the emotion. Yes. In positive ways. Worry yes. is not a bad thing. It's not. I know we don't like it. It's a it's a negative word, but it's not a bad energy to have. Right. As long as you actually don't let it use you, but you can use that. And to do that, you have to understand that's right. What you're feeling 
and be able to channel that into some constructive, okay, what am I going to do about that in a calm, right. kind of clear uh, message. Right, absolutely. Um, that's great. That's a great conversation. I know next time I mentioned you gave me some feedback, which I love. We're, we're going to talk about <laughs> We're talking about feedback. The The F word. The The F F word. word Feedback. It's so good. It's so important for all of us in our day-to-day lives. It's so scary. And it's so so scary. Oh my god. (laughs) Well, to talk about, we'll unpack maybe the different kinds of feedback uh, as well. Hey, uh, it's always good talking to you, Seth. I know you're closer than ever to the publication of your. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Into the Wolf. I got to look at some covers. You know, you'll, you, by the time this comes out, everybody will be able to, oh. to see it on my website. And you'll find it on SethRigoletti.com. Uh, more information, links from itsnotpersonal.net. We yeah. are on all the podcast places, Spotify's, Apple's, you know, et cetera, wherever you want to find this or previous episodes. Please share and please send us feedback Absolutely. Uh, through the website, itsnotpersonal.net. Uh, any feedback, we love hearing from you. Um, all the feedback has been really, really terrific um, to engage and, and get us going. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ken. Talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.